So I originally uh, had reached out to you on LinkedIn. Uh, and dude, I'm, I'm just really interested in, uh, in two things, technology and entrepreneurism. Uh, and so uh, I put together a list of uh, founders and CEOs uh, that I thought would be really fun to learn from. And so that's what we're going to do, man. We're, we're here to just start okay. learn in the next 30 minutes. So yeah, the questions that I ask will be related to those two things, entrepreneurism uh, and technology. And uh, so, yeah, man, you got your start, what, back in, uh, in 98 as a, as a web developer? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yep. I, I started my career in tech doing, doing, yeah, doing web development and, and yeah. whatnot. I, yeah, I convinced my, I, the first job I ever had in the tech world was a web developer for our local public television and radio station, KUAT. And like, I think back on it, I mean, I was their sole person who was in charge of all of their web presence. And I was a like sophomore in undergrad. So yeah, like, yeah. how things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> very much, very much. Um, well, you know, you, you have this, this journey that I'd like to <clears throat> like to talk about, man. And, you know, you, you founded uh, this uh, data distiller in 2020. You guys are rolling into your second year now. Um, got some funding, uh, you know, I'm sure that you guys are growing your customer base. It's exciting. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would love to hear the journey in, in those, in that, that gap. Uh, you know, we also have to talk about the fact that you were in counterterrorism for the CIA. <laughs> that's that's yeah. pretty awesome. So you're, you're with the CIA for five years. Love to hear that part. But yeah, man, if you would love, I would love to just hear your journey. Um, you know, how you got started in tech, why you, why you love technology uh, and go from there. Um. Sure. Um, I was, so I'll date myself. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking about this, like kind of actually over the weekend and for the last few weeks, but like when I kind of was growing up, um, I, I became of age kind of like as the internet was exploding and just during the nineties, there was just like this whole period of like, all these things were becoming possible and things were like, like, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but when I was a kid, just as an example, I remember yeah. phone calls were really expensive. Like all my family's on the East Coast, and it was like a major, you know, yeah, it was a yeah, big yeah. deal when you know one of them called and all this. And then I remember in college, when it like second year or something, there someone showed me a what was now it's ubiquitous, but a voice chatting thing where you could like talk to someone in another country for free. And I remember that moment was just like, wow, this is gonna change this like there is this, this is going to really change the world here and i mean yeah. just all sorts of stuff like that so um what i've always been interested in technology and um and i guess i kind of got lucky in the sense of i kind of was coming around was growing up as a lot of this technology these technologies were so my journey started um i yeah was doing all the all this web stuff i thought that was really cool um 9 11 happened i got interested in middle east events in the middle east and that kind of led me on the the career down uh, you know, doing the counterterrorism thing but it also but even then when i was doing that work i i really had an opportunity to kind of infuse tech with that and um like i was i built all these like interactive analyses and doing all that stuff which is kind of like what put me on the path to doing more advanced data analysis later <coughs> excuse me so um so yeah so anyway so like i was at the agency for about five years doing that I wanted something that was a little bit closer to home. So I ended up um, you know, getting a job with Booz Allen and working at Fort Meade, um, but that gave me a lot of opportunities. So there, when I was there, I ended up um, learning how to automate a lot of the tasks that we were doing. And that kind of put me on the path of data science. And then that's kind of how 
how I ended up. And then I had a really supportive manager who encouraged me to like say, hey, like you're doing all this cool stuff. You need to learn how to teach other people how to do all this. So I ended up doing doing a lot of that. And that was yeah. really enjoyable yeah, I saw for some, me. And I saw some teaching opportunities. Some, you, you built some courses or some taught some courses for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have a actually have a training company also, which I'm a partner in. And we, um, yeah, we, we teach cyber data, data science classes. We, we've taught at, I don't know if you're familiar with Black Hat Conference, but we've taught there now. This will be yeah. our eighth year um, wow. teaching there. And I've, yeah, I've taught for co corporate clients all over the world. So yeah, it's yeah, something I really enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, I, I would like to understand a little bit about your entrepreneurial roots, you know? I mean, um, being a co-founder, is that something that came really natural to you? Or, or, you know, I understand that you had a progression, right, throughout your career uh, before, before Data Distiller. But, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about being an entrepreneur and how that, that, come, that coincided with uh, what you're doing now. Um, so the, the what I'm doing now um, is an outgrowth of everything that I was seeing when I was doing data science work at, you know, at, for the government, for the, I worked for two banks after that. And just seeing the problem like that essentially everybody had the same problems and i believe yeah. that i have a that our our product can solve that so yeah that was kind of why i did that but i I've, in a way i've always wanted to kind of do my own thing and be a bit of an independent spirit and that's kind of what led me down the entrepreneurial route and it's something i've i've enjoyed it's definitely not easy like don't like no one should go into it thinking oh it's so easy to like raise money and <laughs> and start a company from scratch and no it's really freaking hard and yeah. um, no one should have any illusions which I, I don't feel like i do but no one should have any illusions about that going into yeah. it but for me it's like it's it's really rewarding it's really rewarding to see kind of like the it, it, to build a team have a team of people working for you that are like kind of united in what they're doing to see like when you when you make a sale or when you when, you, when someone like looks at your product and is and really likes it like th that's that's a really cool moment and then um yeah, I don't know that. So, so for me, that's, that's kind of, those are kind of like the drivers It's just like building a great product, you know, and helping people do their jobs better with our product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it tough for you guys to find a, a product market fit or did you already know your audience before you guys started building out your platform? So um, I would say in our journey, we're still kind of in the process of, of like solidifying our product market fix. We're yeah. still early. I mean, and the product yeah. we're building, it is a very technically complicated one. With that said, I do feel like because I have the team that I do, we we know our we know our audience and we know yeah. the problems that they have and we know that they're real problems. They're not you know they're not kind of made up uh, nonsense type problems. So like we're we're pretty confident about that. But it's really now just about like getting our tools so that it works all the time. It it really just gives the user the experience they want and you know at the you know the price point that they're willing to pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. As a marketer, I'm always interested in and in how other uh you know founders co-founders leaders um see their audience you know uh and so can you tell me a little bit about that um i'd like to know a little bit about your audience um who they are how you help them that sort of thing sure so um let me kind of start out by just kind of briefly i know this isn't supposed to be a commercial for our our product but let me kind of just set the stage a bit tell you what our product does and then i'll sure kind of they'll see that so um our product Data distiller, what it's meant to solve one of the problems with doing data analysis, and that's that data is invariably all over the place in different formats and different systems. And when data analysts or business analysts try to do their work, 
a big part of what they have to do is simply just gathering that data and working with it. And that's a major challenge for people, especially if people who aren't so technically inclined. So um, what our tool does is it makes that really easy. It makes it very easy to connect disparate data sources and work with them and analyze them. So with that said, um, we have a couple of kind of different audiences that we talk to. And the first one would be like fellow data scientists, data analysts, people who work with data. And then the problem though, is that oftentimes, especially in large companies, they're not the ones who get to make the decisions about what tools they use. So oftentimes there's like an IT shop or a data engineering shop or something like that, but they're the teams that actually, you know, have the checkbook and buy the stuff that they use. So it's an interesting, interesting situation because we have this, like we're, we're selling to one, but they're not the one with the checkbook. It's someone else. So we have to do something right. to make them happy. Also. You've got a, you've got a customer that you got a consumer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so our tool has to kind of check both boxes in terms of the value. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And who, who do you find um, is getting the most value from this? Is this all B2B? Um, for, for the, so our product right now is really a B2B product, but we're actually looking, we're in the process of building a freemium version of it. Um, and that's, um, that's going to, there's some more technical issues that we're kind of working on. So that's coming very, very soon, but, um, but really it's more, you know, for, for kind of larger companies. Okay. Is that kind of where you see data distiller, let's say in the next five to seven years? No, um, I see us as being, actually, I see us being more for like smaller businesses and really being for anybody. I, I want to, my like take over the world vision is I want our tool to basically own data. So like if someone's doing data analysis, they're using our tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Upward and onward, right? That's, Absolutely. That's you got to like go big or go home. I mean, it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's great, man. I mean, there, there are a ton of questions. Let me look at my notes. There are so many questions that I wanted to ask you about. Um, can you tell me at what point um, did you really know that, you know, entrepreneurism was for you? Um, you know, it could tell us a little bit about your journey, actually becoming an entrepreneur for the first time. Um, was networking uh, and the people around you important to that? Uh, or was this something that you knew you wanted to go do? Um, so it's been something I've always wanted to do. I don't know why. It's just something I've always, I've always wanted to do. Yeah. I never really could figure out how, um, like just kind of the, the how and what an unlikely chain of events kind of led that to me. So, um, I'm, I'm not a big social media user, but I am, I try to spend my time. I do spend a decent amount of time on LinkedIn and networking that way. And COVID has made it like definitely hard to network with peers and all that. But, um, I got connected with somebody who hired me to do some consulting work for them. And the person had an early stage startup. And so at one point, I just, I just asked him, I'm like, Hey, how do you get funding? Just, can you just like, how did you do it? And can you just like mentor me? Cause I have this idea. And yeah. so he was like, sure, man, I'm happy to help you with that. And so he, he and I had a bunch of sessions. He helped me write a pitch deck. Um, he helped me kind of steer clear of the bullshit and all this stuff. And, um, and, and he was, and he said like, look, when we're ready, I'll introduce you to my investors and, you know, we'll see what happens. But he's like, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll get money. And so I was like, okay, you're, you're more confident than I am. So, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he was right. And so we, um, we, uh, 
I, I surprisingly did it. And to me, it was just like, you know, I want to do this. I will feel bad if when I retire, if I, if, if I, if I give it a go and don't succeed, okay, at least I, I'll know that that happened. But like, if I never try, I think I felt like I would be just beating myself up forever. So um, I felt like I kind of had to, I just like had to go for it and see what happened. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Um, it sounds like the, the it, it was meant to be, it was meant to be, you know, you found the right person, uh, had an opportunity and, and you jumped. Um, what do you think is, since you've had uh, data distiller, what has been one of the most difficult things about being a co-founder? Um, sorry, being, what was the last thing you said? Yeah. Uh, so what was the, I'll, I'll start over. Um, since starting Data Distiller, what has been the most difficult thing about being a co-founder, about running your business? Oh, um, I think the, the hardest thing there, I think there's two things. One, like, um, I, I think dealing with the kind of people aspect of things is always like the most, is, is the, I think a challenging piece of it. Um, I think also like making the mental shift from, hey, I'm, one of the guys on the team to I'm the owner of the team and the company. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it puts certain boundaries on like things you can and can't like it taught me, I had to be very careful with, you know, like things I say and because like, and even now we have this ongoing discussion, like in our tech team, like when, when we have product calls, I'll often write up notes of like, Hey, this is what I saw. This is it. And then yeah. our tech team will then go and start building this stuff or they'll like react. And I'm like, guys, 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 guys. I'm noting this for future discussions and prioritization. This doesn't mean we have to go do it. It's just like, yeah. so like understanding that just that your words have a much different impact than when you're, you know, just an employee who might be somebody's boss. So that understanding coming to terms with that has definitely been a, a challenge and, and um, something I've, I've had to give a lot of thought. Yeah. To. Yeah. A lot of, you know, when, when people are listening to you, they take you seriously and you're like, no, no, I was yeah. just, I was just brainstorming. <laughs> yeah, no, really. It's like, <laughs> don't execute it, on that. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. And then if you're not careful, also just the prioritization, like you, I've really had to learn, like you, and I've, I've written some blog posts about this, but just, you have to be ruthless about prioritization yeah. and like with your personal be, time, personal and time, what do. Mm -hmm personal time and but even it, it also in product like you you have this vision of what you want to build yeah. and then you have the resources and so you have to figure out okay well what what are the things that we're going to prioritize that are going to get us to sales yeah. and product market fit versus things that i just think we should do because i think we should do them and sometimes you it's like sometimes you kind of have to make a gut call and be like no i i we're going to do this and other times you have to like Kind of make the other way it, it's like that balance of listening to your customers versus i'm sure you've heard the quote i think it was from henry ford that if i asked my customers what they want before they saw the car they would say a faster horse so yeah. it's like you kind of those those two forces at work yeah do you have do you have like a philosophy when it comes to uh like working with co-founders for example or your team members uh in terms of what you do what they do uh, or how to just get along? Um, my um, my biggest philosophy, I think, in that regard is um, trying to 
first off, being transparent with decision making. I like to ask people what they think. I like to create an environment where people don't feel shy to say what they think. I think that's really important. And have people on your team who are not going to just suck up to you and tell you like everything's great when everything isn't great. Or, you know, so basically someone who's not afraid to tell you like, look, I think that's a terrible idea and we shouldn't do that. Um, yeah. So having that in, in a respectful way, of course. So I think that's having that is uh, something that I, I personally value. Um, I think, um, I think just creating that culture of, of, you know, everybody feels their, their contribution, no matter how junior is welcome. And obviously though, at the end of the day, decision has to, decisions have to get made yeah. <clears throat> and not everybody's going to be happy with those decisions. And I think what's been hard for me is also sometimes just being okay with making a call and knowing that not everyone's going to be okay with that. But just at the end of the day, you got to make, you have to make decisions. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, man. So. Thank you for sharing. Um, so, sure. uh, you know, we we grazed over the fact that you're in you're in counterterrorism, right? Uh, for five years for the CIA, and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, if that's okay. Uh, sure. You know, I would love to know, like, what was one of your biggest takeaways, uh, you know, from being in counterterrorism for the CIA? Um. Hmm. Okay. Um. <clears throat> question you stumped me um that's <laughs> what i do i think i think one of the so so first off i was an i was a ct analyst and which you like just the, the job it's like i mean basically you're the you're not the gatherer of information you're like the recipient and you're the one kind of like like you're not cia isn't really supposed to advocate for policies but you're the one who's kind of like presenting this information to policymakers. so I would say a couple things. One is that when you start there, they put you through all this like analytic training and they teach you how to write and how to express yourself and present and do all these things. And I think to me, from one of the, one of the things that's been most valuable for me at my from my time at CIA was that analytic training. <clears throat> it was just the writing, the ability to like present ideas clearly in writing, in presentation, to give presentations effectively served me very very well and it's something that like i don't know you just it, it will make anyone more successful in what they do no matter what it is so i'm a big believer in that i think the other thing that it, it taught me was um like you um uh, to like this the cia isn't a very militaristic organization in a lot of ways like it's it's like yes there's a hierarchy but oftentimes very junior people can be put in contact with very senior people in the government. And it can be pretty shocking when, you know, like you have somebody who's worked there for a year going to brief like the FBI director or something like that yeah. has happened to me. So yeah. I think I was there for a little bit longer than that, but like, yeah. but still it's like, I, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't like some super senior person and, or hearing like, Oh, the president read your piece and, you know, thought this about it. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's, that's pretty cool. So it, it kind of, um, it, it kind of um, makes you, tr so it, it, for me, it like kind of downgraded a bit the awe of like working with very senior people. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, it made me realize like, they're just people, they are just yeah. people like just go have a conversation with them 
like you would anybody else. So it kind of like yeah. killed the whole like star appeal. It's still pretty cool. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, but yeah. like just being in those surroundings, it, 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 it made an impact, but it, the other thing, so anyway, so that was one thing. And then another thing that I got out of it was just the neatness of having a job where, where you, you have a direct impact on things that are, that really matter. And it teaches you a sense of prioritization. Like, even, like when I ended up working at, you know, at, at the banks, it's like people would be flipping out over stuff. And, and it would always remind me, but you know, from CIA times, it's like, look, are people going to die as a result of this? <laughs> and if the answer is no, then you don't need to be like worried about it. Like just dial yeah. it down a notch. If people it are going to die, fixed. if there's going to be like, you know, if, if someone's going to, I don't know, if things like that are going to happen, then okay. Yeah. Then yes, be stressed about it. But if, if, if that's not going to happen, then it's okay. Like, it, it will. so kind of like the stress management level, I think was, uh, was something else that I got out of it, but it was a great experience. I, I certainly don't regret, uh, regret it at all. Yeah. Well, it's always going to be a really cool title on your resume, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a great, uh, topic to, to bring up, you know, <laughs> with friends. So yeah. <laughs> I worked for the CIA. Um, tell, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> so cool, man. Um, you know, I don't have uh, a whole bunch more questions. Uh, again, man, I just wanted to uh, meet with you, um, understand, you know, your philosophy toward entrepreneurism, um, wanted to understand a little bit about the marketing side or the, you know, the product market fit side of Data Distiller. Uh, and it sounds like we covered quite a bit. Was there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrapped up our call? Um, I, I, I think I'm good. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure who, you, who your audience is, but yeah, uh, I mean, like, if it's an aspiring entrepreneur, I would say find yourself a mentor. For me, like one of the most valuable things anyone ever said to me is just like about mentorship. I'm a big believer in paying it forward. So like yeah. I, I try to mentor people all I can, but, and I try to encourage younger people like or starting out in career, find a mentor and do it. So I think that's, that's really important. Also like when you're starting a team, like look for people who have teaching experience because then, you know, as you hire senior people, they will teach junior people versus like being jerks and not do it. So, yeah. um, that's mentoring on all fronts is a good thing. So that's, yeah, that's something I'm big. Great advice. In. Great advice. Do you have any, um, do you have any favorite books, whether in tech or in entrepreneurism that you wanted to share? Um, um, let's see. I read, it's funny. Like I read a ton of books and I just like, I, yeah, I'm um, the same. I'm the same. Like I, I'm, I'm a big audio guy. And so if uh you know if it's not sitting in my bookshelf i forget the name of it yeah i read a whole series of books so there's the lean lean analytics and lean startup series yeah. that those are all really great books um i read a another book kind of like along the same theme it was like the toyota management system something like, i don't remember that was is, that was that was definitely a book that kind of inf influenced my thinking on just how to approach building a product yeah um and yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure there's tons of others. I just, those are the ones that immediately, yeah. uh, I'm reading a book right now called The Resilient Founder by, uh, he's actually one of our investors, Mahendra Ravsajani. He's uh, yeah, a really great book, just talking about like all the, the stressors that go into founding a company and kind of how to deal with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think here. There's, there's a book that uh, I'm thinking of Man, I had a, I'm having a friend read it right now. I just went blank on it, dude. It's about founders. 
um, and just about that that uh, relationship between co-founders and how you can actually it's called rocket fuel actually have you heard of it okay yeah so no. rocket fuel it's great man it's it's a great it's a great book for leadership and how there's like this there's polarity between a creative person and a doer right an implementer mm-hmm. in fact and so it's a doer and an implementer in this book and uh, and how it's important that there, there should be tension right there should be mm-hmm. tension between those two and how they actually work off one another it's a great book so check it out it's got a it's a red cover uh, so okay. awesome man Charles, it was a, it was a pleasure meeting with you, man. And dude, we, should, we should do it again sometime. This was a ton of fun. Happy to. So, uh, Happy I learned to. a lot. And uh, my audience, in fact, are, are tech entrepreneurs. So okay. uh, they're, they're, you know, owners, CEOs, founders in, um, in software development companies, in, 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 you know, software SaaS companies, stuff like that. So um, I'm sure that this, uh, this, this interview uh, is going to be encouraging and helpful to them as well. So appreciate your time, my friend. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat later. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, man. Have a great Take care. week. We'll see you. you too. Bye, Charles. Bye.